Welcome into episode seven of the Axe Break Equipment Podcast, Priming the Pump. I'm your host, Jason Danley, and appreciate you coming aboard with us for yet another edition of this podcast. And this time, uh, we, we kind of go back to some of the traditional stuff that we would talk about this time of year as we get into the world of agronomy, spray tip selection, spray uh, boom clean out. And we talk with uh, one of our favorite partners that we have got uh, in the industry, that being uh, Hypro or Pentair Hypro, as many of them know them. And we will be talking with their agronomist, uh, Nick Flights. Now, Nick uh, joins uh, Hypro as uh, a member of their team to work specifically on the agronomy side to see how uh, a lot of their products uh, need to be applied in the field and uh, he is an individual with a lot of knowledge on that, so we'll be talking with him momentarily. Once again, everybody, we appreciate uh, you uh, following us on uh, whatever podcast provider that you happen uh, to be checking out, um, uh, whether that be uh, iTunes or maybe Spotify, Pandora. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe so you can be updated on all the episodes uh, when they do come out as we keep you updated on everything happening uh, in the world of ag, not just things in, in the world of spraying technology, but we get into everything in the world of ag. Our, our last episode featured Casey uh, Fitzsimmons, former NFL tight end turned rancher in Montana. A great guy, great dude. Uh, appreciate him uh, coming on the show with us uh, last time. And we welcome into the podcast Nick Flights, agronomist with Pentair Hypro, one of our uh, main vendors and main partners that we have with Ag Spray Equipment. Nick, thank you very much for taking a little bit of uh, time today to to talk with us about uh, you know your your position uh, with Pentair Hypro. Yeah, sure, Jason. Thanks for having me on, and I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you and and your listeners. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun, and and it's good that. You know, we're getting you on now because we are starting to get into the into spray season, planting season. We got a whole bunch of stuff that we need to review with farmers. But, but before we get started with that, Nick, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got into the world of agronomy and then, you know, how you made that uh, that jump into being an agronomist with Pentair and Hypro. Sure. Yeah. So and I'm an agronomist by, by training and background, uh, more specifically a weed scientist. And that's where I really kind of got really deep and interested into the world of agronomy. Uh, got a job in, in weed science while I was in school and, and kind of got hooked there and uh, went on through grad school and that. And um, did a lot of focus, obviously, on, on weed control with the weed science background, but had an interest in general in pest management as a whole and also grew up uh, really with a big interest in, in equipment. Uh, grew up uh, working on and restoring antique tractors and, and things of that nature. So always had a very uh, keen interest to to equipment and that side of things. So the uh, world of application technology kind of allowed me to put those two interests together. I could tie the the equipment and application technology side of it to the the chemistry and agronomic side of it as well. So um, it's kind of an interesting opportunity that came up came up with Pentair High Pro uh, to as an agronomist to kind of put those worlds together. Uh, so I jumped at it, and I've been working for Pentair High Pro in this agronomy role for a little over three years now. Excellent, Nick. Well, I'm already going to veer off course here because I know we're going to talk about spray stuff, but you mentioned something there that interests me and interests a lot of my listeners. You said uh, 
you kind of got the interest in uh, restoring antique tractors. Uh, you know, tell t- a little bit about that. You know, do you remember the the first one you did, or the one that you're most proud of that you you went through the restoration process with? So primarily, we uh, restore orange tractors. So Alice Chalmers. Okay. And we started with my great grandfather's tractor. So it was a, it was a tractor my dad actually grew up with most of his life. There's pictures uh, of him as a baby on it, and his uh, his sisters young, and you know they used it and um, kept it in the family, and uh, that was the first one kind of got us started on that, and then we kind of kept in the the Alice Chalmers line, did a, a few of those, and we've gotten into red some as well, got a couple of you know red ones that have come down through the family as well, so we uh, keep a lot of things kind of in the family is is how a lot of that got started. And the things that uh, that we work on and, and restore. That's excellent. Yeah, I uh, have a little uh, not not exactly antique tractor yet, and I can't exactly say even restoration background in the truck I'm working on. But the same realm, you know, it's Dad's old truck. It was the farm truck. It hauled every cow that we had to to market. It took us to the county fair, and then the rear end blew up, and it sat in the trees for 20 years. So I certainly can can relate when it comes down to you know having that that family atmosphere when it comes to you know, restoring uh, old equipment, old trucks and everything. So that's great, Nick. Great that you've got yeah. got that interest. But now we should probably talk about the things we came here to talk about, that being uh, the world of agronomy and Pentair Hypro. Uh, going into spring now, uh, we've got a lot of listeners that they've got sprayers, they've got planters, they've got, you know, all sorts of spray equipment where they're uh, got liquid going through there, whether it be liquid fertilizer, whether it be, you know, uh, you know uh, herbicide, pesticide, whatever it may be. And and I think one of the things that we find um, is is very important that often gets overlooked by our customers uh, is just the clean-out process, whether it be boom clean-out, spray tip clean-out, uh, making sure that you're not getting cross-contaminations. Uh, in your world, what are some of the recommendations uh, and maybe steps and procedures that that you would recommend our listeners to to look into and and, and really try to to hone in on as they get set to go out here this spring. Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of products that we put through the sprayer throughout the year that uh, have a tendency to to linger around in plumbing at times and can cause us issues later on. Products like like atrazine is a very common one. A lot of your uh, products that we're going to dissolve into suspension, so wettable powders, dry flowables, things like that that come in a dry form. And so the two times of year that are really perfect, I think, to, to really look at um, a robust sprayer cleanout procedure is either in the winter when, or the fall when we're going to winterize or coming out of winter into spring when we're going to uh, get that sprayer back out into the field again. And so it's a good time to uh, flush everything out. There's a lot of inline strainers and, and filters on modern sprayers. And so those are good not to forget about. We can get a lot of buildup in those. And that's a primary where contamination can occur too. Sometimes you forget about those. They're not always um, in the most visible of areas. You can get that out of sight, out of mind and forget those strainers. So anywhere you have filtration in your plumbing, you know, pull that out. And, uh, you know, check them out. You may find a lot of buildup and you can uh, hose those off, put them in a bucket with some solvent and clean them. It's a good time to, to flush the boom out. So if you have uh, a the ability to open up the end of your boom, whether it's an ex- express end cap type setup or uh, some other type of flush valve, 
open that up and, you know, run some, some water through it, clean it out. There are some um, sprayer clean-out products out there that are devoted to that. It's also a good time to, to pull nozzles off, make sure uh, nozzles don't have residue or get, they're going to get plugged up uh, with, with any residue or products that are left in the boom. And the, the, if you're running strainers on those, it's a good time uh, as well to, to check those out and make sure that uh, you're not going to run into any issues later on. So really the big thing, I think, is just open things up, uh, try and look inside. We don't look inside of our, our sprayer plumbing very often, but it's good to do so every so often. And, and you know, flush as much water uh, as you can reasonably through it to help uh, blow any contaminants out. Yeah, and, and whether you have a self-propelled sprayer or a three-point or a pull-type sprayer, you got to make sure you keep everything clean. Otherwise, you're going to have issues going down the road. And one of the things I really like that that Hypo, Hypro presented in the last couple of years here have been those uh, express boom uh, clean-outs, you know, the ones that you can put on the end of the boom and you, you can you know, turn, turn the handle, have them clean out, and there's several different attachments. Uh, that, that was a really nice addition by, by Hypro uh, just a couple of years ago to – you know, start and start introducing those not only on, on their own stainless steel booms, but as, as an attachment that can go on existing ones out there. Yeah, I think um, if I'm being honest, my marketing department probably wouldn't like it. But the old design where you had the, the fork retainer and the plug, mm-hmm. they weren't always as easy to open up, get those, get the retainer out, get the plug out to flush things out. It took time. You had to have pliers, maybe a screwdriver. You had to have a bucket or something to keep those parts and pieces together, right? Um, but the new express flush valve takes all that out. You know, this stainless steel ball valve, it's a quarter-turn ball valve, uh, replaces that plug. So all you have to do is flip that that handle open, and you can open flush your boom. There's no more tools required. You don't have to disassemble anything like that. Uh, so it makes the process simpler, uh, and quicker, and easier. And hopefully that uh, will allow us to do flush that sprayer out a little bit more often now. Yeah, I know that uh, our customers that have decided to go that way and decided to make that purchase, uh, you know, they, they rave about it. They're, they're very happy that they made that purchase. So uh, definitely a nice addition from Hypro. You know, as we continue to move into spring, we get the sprayer cleaned out. You know, now we start talking about uh, spray nozzles. We start start talking about rates and, and from day one and, it was said to me jokingly on, on my, my first day kind of in the industry, and I kind of laughed, but uh, as you continue on, uh, you hear it more and more. And that that's the, the customer coming in and, and just saying, I need a 10-gallon-a-minute tip, or I need a 10-gallon breaker tip. That's it. Nothing about uh, what they're spraying, nothing about what, what they need that tip to do. And, and that's where I think, you know, as, as we as people that work in the industry can help educate our, our customers on, on the different sort of spray nozzles that are out there, uh, it's only going to benefit them. Uh, so talk to us, Nick, a little bit about, you know, spray nozzle and spray nozzle selection. Yeah, we all know the rate, but there's a big difference uh, from droplet size to the use of these nozzles and, and what people should be looking at. What ultimately are kind of, you know, your your tips and tricks and hints on, on nozzle selection? Sure. And the first thing is, just make sure you're using nozzles that are in good condition. Make sure they're not damaged, excessively worn, or, or have some residue buildup that can negatively influence the spray pattern. If we think about it, a sprayer, all these new these sprayers that are coming out are a lot of great features and designs and things that uh, are being put into them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're there to you know pull a, a set of spray nozzles across the field, and that's really kind of where the rubber meets the road. So if we're using 
not regardless of what we're spraying, if we're using nozzles that are, are damaged or worn, not in ideal condition, it's going to hinder the performance of uh, that, that sprayer and ultimately what we're putting through it. And um, talking about more specific nozzle selection, I guess the first thing I should say is, you know, if you're spraying dicamba or 2,4-D, uh, as you know, there's very strict regulations on how we apply those products and the nozzles that are approved. So that's the first thing. If you're planning to put out those products, uh, whatever formulation it is, it's good to look at the approved nozzle list to make sure you are uh, getting a nozzle that is on the approved list for that specific product that you intend to apply. For other products that, that don't have those uh, tight regulatory controls and specific approved nozzle lists with them, the, really the first question to ask is, what type of chemistry are we applying? Are we putting out a liquid fertilizer? Are we putting out a systemic pesticide uh, or a contact pesticide? So quick background, you know, a systemic, say systemic herbicide, something like glyphosate, uh, we don't have to worry about coverage as much. We can be a little more focused on drift control because our systemic herbicides are actively taken up through the leaf cuticle of the weeds we're applying it to, and it's going to translocate, meaning it's going to move around in that plant. And those herbicide molecules are going to get to that target site that they need to go to to ultimately control uh, that weed. So systemics, we don't have to worry about coverage as much. We can go with a little, little coarser droplet to give us some insurance on drip control. Now, on the flip side, if we're applying something that is a contact product, these products do not translocate within uh, the crop or the weed that we're applying them to. So coverage is a much bigger focus when applying these types of, of chemistries. This is things like um, Liberty, uh, you know, Paraquat, most of our fungicides are all contact-based, and that's when we're focusing our nozzle selection on nozzles that um, have usually have a finer droplet size uh, and maybe some other design features like dual fan angles or inclined spray patterns to help promote higher coverage. So that's kind of the, the second step is looking at what type of chemistry you are applying. And ultimately, that should kind of direct the flow of what type of nozzle you're getting as far as its droplet size or um, other design features that are going to impact uh, you know, coverage and canopy penetration. Absolutely. And it's very important for you know, the end user to know that information. And, and as we always say, as the folks on this end that are, are essentially selling the tips to people and working with, you know, customers on what they need, we always emphasize over and over again, you know, we're, we're kind of like the, the, the pharmacy here. You got to go to the doctor to get your prescription. You bring us the prescription and we fill it. And we look at guys like you, Nick, as, as that doctor, the agronomist. So you've gone out, you figured out what it is that you need to get, and you write the prescription, bring it to us, we, we can, you know, get you into the right tip. And I, I think that's one thing that, that a lot of uh, people need to understand is talk to your agronomist about what, what you need to, to have in order to get the correct application rate and the correct uh, coverage uh, when you're out there spraying. Because it, it, it is uh, as, uh, as, just as important as everything else in this process that you make sure that you talk to your agronomist that you're putting it down with the right tip. Yeah, yeah, certainly. This is an area that your chemical companies have uh, either been doing a lot of uh, their own testing and research work, getting more involved with that, or they've been talking a lot more and partnering with nozzle manufacturers so they can learn more uh, about nozzles and application technology, and they can make more informed recommendations to you know their customers. If you think about it, 
there are a ton of spray nozzles out there on the market. You know, nozzle companies like to make nozzles because that's what they do. And so there's a, a ton out there to choose from. And sometimes, uh, you know, it can be kind of hard to navigate through uh, the sea of spray nozzles that there is to, to figure out what's going to be best on, on your farm and, and with the products that you intend to apply. All right. Pretty remedial question I'm going to ask for uh, the world of sprayers, spray technology out there. But I think it's often overlooked when people are looking at a chart for a spray tip. Give me the uh, spraying for dummies definition of microns and why they're important. So that is the measurement that we use to basically size spray nozzles. Very small. You know, it's very small. You know, the, the, the basics of it. It's a laser laser diffraction measurement, um, so really high-tech instrument that gets used, and not just in ag, but really all spraying in general, uh, you know, uses it. Ag tends to be on the higher end of the spectrum um, with the nozzles because we're out spraying, you know, in the environment and have a lot of other factors that, mm -hmm. that come on. But in generally, for the products that we're using in ag, we're going to be somewhere between, say, 300 microns and uh, 800. The, when we talk about driftable fines, we're talking about droplets that are less than 141 microns. Um, so we really want to stay away from those on the low end. Uh, that's kind of, you could imagine those kind of like a, a heavy mist mm -hmm. would be uh, kind of like a 141 micron um, size droplet if you think about a heavy mist. If you think about a, a heavier rain, you're caught in a heavy rainstorm. Then you're going to be on the, the higher end somewhere, five, six, seven hundred type microns there. It's kind of the you know, kind of spectrum that we're kind of looking at and we work a lot with in ag. Now, if you're on that lower end, uh, toward 141 microns, if you think about a mist rain, it falls very slow. If it, you know, it can get caught up in the wind and in the air. So there's a lot of potential there for off-target spray drift and potential for evaporation of those droplets. And they won't all reach the target we're spraying. If you think when it's a heavy rain, usually those droplets are falling pretty fast. You know, they, they got a heavier impact force, and that's just due to kinetic energy. They're larger, they weigh a lot more. And um, so they cut down through the wind and they get down into the ground. If we're thinking about how we kind of utilize that in spraying, there's a square root relationship there to, to droplet size and droplet number. So if I want to apply dicamba, I may use a nozzle um, like the Ultra Low Drift Max from Hypro that gives me a micron size of 800, 800 microns, which is very, very coarse, extremely coarse, very focused on drift control. But if I cut that droplet size in half to 400 microns, which is going to be a coarse droplet size, kind of a balanced droplet size, um, maybe like a light rain. By cutting it in half, I'm going to increase the number of droplets by eight times. So when we're applying contact chemistries, we're more focused on higher coverage, maybe not as concerned as in drift control because we need to focus on coverage. We want to use a smaller droplet size, not too small, but somewhere kind of there in the middle. And we're going to create a lot more droplets to put out in that field. And therefore, we'll get, potentially get better spray coverage of the target that we're applying it to. For a guy like me that, uh, you know, doesn't do the best job of uh, explaining that to people, that, that's a, a perfect definition uh, of, of microns and why they're important and, and leads into the next question, uh, which is the one that everybody likes to talk about every year, especially since, uh, you know, the onset of uh, dicamba's popularity in the last couple of years, and that is in the world of uh, 
regulations when it comes to spraying. And, and what you're talking about in microns and micron size are, are really driving, you know, a lot of that because of these, uh, you know, the, these chemicals that, you know, can move around a bit, uh, can uh, cause for, you know, off-target application, which we don't want to have. It, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the regulations that, you know, have been changed a little bit here in the last year. And in the last, uh, last summer, as you definitely remember, you know, we were in a, a world where uh, we were able to spray dicamba, then we weren't, then we were, then we weren't, and then I think we were able to, and then now I think we are again. So I, I guess talk a little bit about that and, and, and if you've got any knowledge to add to that situation. Yeah, sure. It is, it is hard to keep up at some times, especially last year. It was kind of like whiplash back and forth. And uh, hopefully it'll be more smooth sailing this year uh, than it was. But yeah, so, you know, as most people probably aware, we have very specific, uh, you know, nozzle approvals for this. Uh, the chemical companies will uh, test nozzles with these products. And there is a threshold on droplet size uh, and drift reduction that has to be met. So they cannot produce over a certain threshold of driftable fine droplets under 141 microns, like we were just talking about. Uh, so that that's kind of how we, we get the, the approved nozzles. Um, and most of those nozzles have a, a heavy focus on, on drift control, trying to keep those coarser droplets and uh, reduce those fine droplets. So there aren't a lot of big changes to the approved nozzle list for this year. Um, most nozzles that were approved in the past are still approved. Uh, and then there may be some additions to some new nozzles um, that, that come out. You know, as nozzle companies put new nozzles out, it may come get added to those approved lists. A lot, some of those regulations, you know, are, are uh, still in place about the timing of application during the day. Um, they don't want you applying, I think it's an hour after sunset and uh, within an hour of sunrise. So trying to, to keep you there with the, the sun and when the earth is warm to uh, prevent uh, temperature inversions that can occur. So they want you spraying uh, primarily in daylight hours that three to 10 mile per hour wind speed is still in play there. Now, there are a few interesting, um, completely new things that have come out. Uh, the first is the volatility reduction agents or VRAs. Um, all of your dicamba formulations now require a volatility reduction agent or a VRA, it's abbreviated. And I think that's primarily looking at pH. So when the pH drops, when the pH in the spray solution drops um, below a certain level, gets more acidic. I think it's below about five. A pH of five uh, is what we're trying to stay at or stay above is really when you get a lot of volatility. Uh, there's some interactions that work um, there on the molecular level. And um, when you revert from a salt form, which is when you want dicamba, you want it in a salt form when you're spraying it and handling it. When it reverts to an acid form, um, there's some Molecular things that happen and allows volatility of that dicamba molecule. So it goes up into the air, and that's where we get a lot of our off-target movement. So the volatility reduction agent is aimed at that. Extendamax and Tavium both require uh, drift reduction adjuvants. You'll see them abbreviated as DRAs. And um, I believe Ingenia does not require those uh, with, with all applications. I think there's some that are required but not all applications of them. So that's one uh, very interesting thing, kind of a new development for 2021. Spraying is that volatility reduction agent, be kind of kind of new to us. And um, there are the nationwide date cutoffs by calendar. And that is 
not allowed to apply these dicamba formulations to soybeans um, after June 30th and to cotton on July 30th. Now, there are some other um, formulation-specific um, growth stage cutoffs that you, you should be aware of for each one of those products um, that would supersede the calendar date cutoff. Um, so before you go and apply those, uh, you want to make sure and check for those uh, growth stage cutoffs because um, that would supersede the calendar one. And, and as, it, as they say, long story short, just make sure you know what you're doing. And, and as we hear in all the commercials, read and follow label directions. Uh, that would be the key. Now, Nick, one last question before we wrap things up. Uh, obviously, with Hypro, uh, we have a lot of uh, different nozzles. You mentioned that earlier uh, here in the, in, in the uh, uh, interview, just a number of nozzles that are out there, not just from Pinter and Hypro, but the other nozzle companies. Talk to me about maybe some of the uh, more recent changes and additions uh, that uh, Hypro has made uh, in the world of nozzles uh, that are now available to uh, customers worldwide. The most recent is the Ultra Low Drift Max, abbreviated as ULDM. You'll see it. Um, that's the most recent we've come out with. That's uh, really brand new for Hypro uh, this spring season. And it's a, a very drift reduction focused nozzle. It was designed with the Dicamba and 2,4-D market in mind, really. Uh, so a lot of design features tailored for those applications. It is a 95% drift reduction nozzle. So it's really uh, one of the two highest rated uh, on the, the global market. Uh, a lot of our nozzles we've used for Dicamba and 2,4-D give us about 90% drift reduction, uh, which is great. That's, that's great. Um, this one goes a little bit higher uh, for times when you have a need to be a little more cautious with, with drift control. Maybe that is uh, you're in a windier um, area of the country where wind, wind speeds uh, a little bit more you have to contend with. Or maybe there's a lot of sensitive vegetation nearby. Uh, you know, where I live, there's a lot of tobacco grown, uh, which is highly sensitive to uh, these growth regulated herbicides. So um, if you're in, a, in an area like that, that um, you want to have a little higher focus on drift, you can use a nozzle like the Ultra Low Drift Max. Um, you get really flexible uh, use ranges on the, the Dicamba and 2,4-D labels, but you can rest assured that it's got um, top-notch drift control um, and, and going to help uh, add extra insurance to keep those droplets in the field where we want them to be. Excellent, Nick. Well, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast. Some great information here today, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon sometime. Yes, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Nick Flights, agronomist with Pentair Hypro, one of our key partners as we go through a very busy spring of uh, spraying uh, and uh, liquid application, fertilizer application, whatever it may be out there. Appreciate Nick coming on, uh, talk some tips with us, and talk about some of the products that uh, Hypro offers that you can pick up at any one of our Ag Spray locations across the country and, of course, on agspray.com. Well, that's going to do it for this week's podcast, As in Life and in Pumping. Always remember to prime your pump. You never want to run dry, overheat, or cause damage when you don't have to. Stay efficient and work hard. So make sure your pump is primed. This has been the Ag Spray Equipment Podcast.